0: Coming up next on Abounding Grace. How much trouble, how much pain, how much difficulty and consequences have come into our lives because we've refused to listen to wise counsel and have been puffed up with overconfidence and pride. And it happened with Joshua. It it happened in Jericho after he has this great victory. You know, he's also overconfident. No mention of prayer. They go to Ai, and they're soundly defeated. And sin was in the camp. Over and over again, men and women of God have been undermined by overconfidence.
1: This is amazing grace. with decisions every day. And you can try to go it alone, but there's a much better way to go, and that is to speak and listen to the godly advice of others. God often wants to communicate to us this way, just as he did in the story we'll look at today on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor joins
0: us now for a study framed around 2 Kings 14. Verse 7, He killed 10,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt and took Selah by war and called its name Jachthiel to this day. Then Amaziah sent messengers to Jehoash and the son of Jehoaz, the son of Jehu, king of Israel, saying, come, let us face one another in battle. Now, much of this we're going to learn more deeply when we get to Chronicles. As we study through First and Second Chronicles, it's going to be a lot of repetition and going to expand a few things uh, that we didn't read through our study in Kings. So I didn't, some teachers try to put them all together, but we're just going to go through verse by verse, the whole, all the books, and we'll tie them all together um, as we go through Chronicles. So we'll learn more about this. But Edom, about 100 years prior to this, rebelled against Judah. So he decided to go down and take control. So the king decided to go down and take control of Edom again. And it was a good decision, except that he went about it the wrong way. The the way that he went is he took a census, and he was encouraged to find 300,000 men. But instead of trusting God, you learn all this in 2 Chronicles, instead of trusting God and his men, he hired 100,000 mercenaries from Israel to increase his power. And on his way down, God sent a prophet to warn him. And I'll read it to you in 2 Chronicles 25. A man of God came to him saying, O king, do not let the army of Israel go with you. For the Lord is not with Israel, not with any of the children of Ephraim. But if you go, be gone. Be strong in battle. Even so, God will make you fall before the enemy. For God has power to help and to overthrow. So he basically says what he says to us often. Hey, don't do it. Don't do it. But if you do, you're going to fail. Don't do it. But if you try to, if you, I hope you're strong. He's not really encouraging him. He's like, if you decide to obey, I hope you're strong. But y'all tell you what, God has the power to get victory and he has the power to overthrow. The battle belongs to the Lord. So don't do it. So Amaziah told the mercen- mercenaries to go back home. And he went on to battle Edom and was successful and victorious. But, and there's always a but in disobedience. While he was gone, the mercenaries from Israel destroyed the cities of Judah and killed 3,000 people. And so Amaziah challenges Jehoash to a battle. And that's what you see in these couple verses. It's elaborated over in Chronicles. And here's the thing. One of the recurring sins in the life of Israel is their sin of forming alliances with ungodly instead of exercising faith and trusting God. What we would refer to that today is what the New Testament calls don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And you can jot it down. We've studied it in depth, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. This was one of their sins. It, you know, Solomon married heathen wives, Ahab married Jezebel, Jehoshaphat will ally with Ahab, and on and on the list goes. And at this time, it cost him 3,000 lives. And it's an admonition from the Bible to not yoke together with unbelievers. You can study that in the studies that we have online uh, because we've gone far in depth in that. Verse 9. And Jehoash, the king of Israel, sent to Amaziah, king of Judah, saying, The thistle that was in Lebanon sent to the cedar that was in Lebanon, saying, Give your daughter to my son, his wife. And a wild beast that was in Lebanon passed by and trampled the thistle. So you have indeed defeated Edom, and your heart has lifted you up. Glory in your success and stay at home. For why should you meddle in trouble so that you may fall, you and Judah, with you? So he sends us this little parable about the thistle and the cedar, and he's just basically saying, look, why don't you just be content with your victory? Don't be all prideful. Just be content with your victory and leave us alone. And that's good advice. It's always, this, the advice that he gives is good. And you know, you never know where the truth's going to come from. You never know where it's going to come from. You've you, you got to be tuning your ears to the Holy Spirit of God, because it could be come from an enemy king. You don't know where the truth's going to come from, but notice this advice was good when he said, uh, glory in your success, stay at home. Why should you meddle with trouble so that you fall? Why get involved in other people's problems? Why get involved? Here's what the Proverbs say in Proverbs 26, verse 17. Like one who seizes a dog by the ears is a passerby who meddles in a quarrel, not his own. That's the NIV. Just don't grab the pit bull's ears. It won't end very well. Just don't do it. And yet we find ourselves, and we find this situation happening so many times, meddling in other people's affairs. And it's just a warning, even from the book of Kings, verse 11. And Amaziah would not heed. Therefore Jehoash, the king of Israel, went out, and he and Amaziah, the king of Judah, faced one another at Beth Shemesh, Which belongs to Judah. And Judah was defeated by Israel, and every man fled to his tent. Then Jehoash, the king of Israel, captured Amaziah, king of Judah, the son of Jehoash, the son of Ahaziah, at Beth Shemesh. And he went to Jerusalem and broke down the wall of Jerusalem and the gate of Ephraim to the corner gate, 400 cubits. And he took all the gold and silver and all the articles that were found in the house of the Lord and in the treasury of the king's house and the hostages and returned to Samaria. Aren't those famous last words, refuse to listen? How much trouble, how much pain, how much difficulty and consequences have come into our lives because we've refused to listen to wise counsel and have been puffed up with overconfidence and pride. And it happened with Joshua. It it happened in Jericho after he has this great victory. You know, he's also overconfident. No mention of prayer. They go to AI and they're soundly defeated. And sin was in the camp. Over and over again, men and women of God have been been undermined by overconfidence. I have certainly experienced this in my personal life. Where pride has overtaken my mind. And I'm overconfident, perhaps over a victory or over some tremendous open doors that God has allowed me to be a part of and forget, so easily forget that everything that I am and everything that I am privileged to be a part of is all from the Lord. It's not even 1% Ed Taylor, not even 2%. It's all God. And it's the truth for you. Like you guys are sitting there, man, we have a messed up pastor. Oh, okay, maybe you do but I wonder how messed up you are. If I said, hey, come on, anybody been overconfident? And the lights are going to swing in here because of the air from your hands. So everybody's up. Yeah, I was overconfident and I got this and, and I was, I was humbled. And, and isn't it true that God, he values humility, that God is actually attracted to weakness Man is not attracted to weakness. Man is attracted to strength and notoriety. Man is impressed by numbers. Man is impressed by things that don't impress God. You know, when I'm speaking to pastors, whether they're speaking to one person or they're speaking to a thousand people, God is not impressed by that. Men might be impressed by that. God's not impressed by that. God's impressed by weakness whereby maybe a brother might stand up in front of a thousand people and be very nervous. Oh, I'm so nervous, there's so many new people. But when there's one person, oh, slam dunker, slam dunk. Well, why aren't you nervous in front of one person? It's not the people that are in front of you. It's the word of God that's a fire in your bones. It's the God of holiness and righteousness that you're standing before when you teach. You should be nervous just standing in the pulpit. Not a weird nervousness, but the holiness of God and the fear of God that when you're handling the Word of God, you don't want to mess it up. There's 100,000 people in front of you or one. It doesn't matter. If nobody shows up and it's a zero turnout, you still stand there with great fear and preach the Bible study to yourself. You prepared it. Teach it to yourself. See, God's using all these things in our lives. You get a promotion at work and you're just like, oh, I feel so much, I feel so much better. I feel so much better because I've been rewarded for my service. But, but, but we have to remember there was a time when you were looking for work and God was humbling you. And he was bringing you to a place of surrender. And you were crying out for work. You were crying out for God to meet you. And, and no matter where we're at in life, God is, he's, he values humility and he's attracted to weakness. And may we find ourselves in places where we're attractive to the Lord. So don't let that be, you know, your testimony uh, that you refuse to listen. Listen to sound counsel. Listen to godly counsel. Listen to godly advice. Listen to godly warnings. Heed them. Notice in verse 15. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoash, in which he did his might and how he fought with Amaziah the king of Judah, aren't they written in the book of Chronicles, the kings of Israel? So Jehoash rested with his fathers and was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel, and Jerobo- Jeroboam his son reigned in his place. This is, by the way, if you're taking notes, you can just note this is Jeroboam the uh, second, not the Jeroboam we met earlier. Amaziah, verse 17, the son of Joash, king of Judah, lived 15 years after the death of Jehoash and the son of Jehoahaz, king of Israel. And the rest of the acts of Amaziah are they not written in the book of Chronicles in the kings of Judah. And they made a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem and he fled to Lachish and they sent after him to Lachish and killed him there. And they brought him on horses. And he was buried in Jerusalem with his fathers in the city of David. And all the people of Judah took Ahazariah, who was 16 years old, and made him king instead of his father, Amaziah. And he built Eloth and restored it to to Judah after the king rested with his fathers. Verse 23. In the 15th year of Amaziah, the son of Joash, king of Judah, Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, became king in Samaria and reigned 41 years. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not depart from all the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had made Israel sin. He restored the territory of Israel from the entrance of Hamath to the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord God of Israel. And he had spoken through his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was in Gath Hefer. Verse 26. For the Lord saw that the affliction of Israel was very bitter, and whether bond or free, there was no helper for Israel. And the Lord did not say that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, but he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. Now the rest of the acts of Jeroboam and all that he did, his might, how he made war, how he recaptured Israel from Damascus and Hamath, and that he belonged to Judah, are they all not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Jeroboam rested with his fathers, the kings of Israel, then Zechariah his son reigned in his place. So the attention at the end here has been brought back to the north, to Jeroboam II, who also does evil in the sight of the Lord. Yet even in his evil, nothing was wasted by God. During his reign, God raised up four powerful prophets during this time. Jonah, Hosea, Joel, and Micah. But he didn't listen to them. And so even though it's a difficult leadership, God is still raising up men to speak the truth. And you'll notice in verse 27, really in verse 26, that the grace of God is saturating the entirety of Scripture. That even though Israel has sinned, even though they've rebelled, even though they followed some of the kings, even though they have a wicked king, that the Lord sees the affliction was very bitter either if they were bond or free. There was no helper. And the Lord didn't say that he would blot out the name of Israel from under heaven, but he saved them by the hand of Jeroboam, the son of Joash. Like the grace of God is everywhere. It's all throughout the scriptures. We should have one of those those markers or one of those stamps where it's watermarked on every page, the grace of God. The grace of God. Like he notices when you're going through difficulty. He notices when your home is upside down. He notices when your marriage is struggling. He notices the difficulties in your singleness. He notices when your dad goes off the rails. He notices when your mom is sad. He notices. It says the Lord saw their affliction. He saw that they were very bitter. It was very tasteless. It was the kind of pain that you spit out. It was, it was hard and it was difficult. And nothing that you and I go through is hidden from God. He sees you. He also sees that you have no help. Or at least in your case, perhaps you, you feel like you have no help. You feel like it's a helpless situation. When you feel helpless, then it immediately goes to hopeless. And it's mixed, intertwined with discouragement and depression and despair. And you just get in this vicious cycle. And I want you to know that the Lord sees. Whether you need that today or you need that next week or you need that in a month from now, should the Lord not return, the Lord sees. And He knows it's very bitter for you. And He knows that there's no helper. That the things that you've leaned upon the attempts that you've tried. He, he sees and he knows. And like with the children of Israel, he didn't say he would blot your name out. By faith in Jesus Christ, you are secure in the Father's arms. Nobody can snatch you from his hands. You have an even greater than the high priest that would go in once a year and offer the sacrifice on the Ark of the Covenant within the temple that cover to the sins of the children of Israel for another year of the Old Covenant. You have a great high priest who offered himself as the very mercy seat and shed his own blood not to cover sins, not to kaffar, but to remove your sins. You, your sins have been removed. They, they have been You haven't been blotted out. Your sins have been blotted out. Isn't that great? To me, it's wonderful. You haven't been blotted out. God knows and He sees. And and He's going to show up in your life at just the right time that will accomplish His will and His purposes and His desire. And even though we may not see the anguish in your life, we may not live with it. We may not experience it with you. You mark these words, for the Lord sees your affliction. He sees it. He knows. It. Isn't that what we learned? How, I love how the Bible just intertwines together with no plan or purpose on our part. But we just finished studying in our weekend services. Go ahead and turn over there, because we didn't turn anywhere today, uh, which is the case sometimes. But notice Hebrews chapter 4. We just looked at this. We just allowed it to saturate our hearts. Notice. And we'll get to the next section this coming weekend. So it's just so glorious. We just looked at Hebrews 4 verse 13, that there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes to whom we must give account. And we're always emphasizing, you know, the emphasis of you can't hide sin and nothing's hidden. And that's true. But I want you to know it's also positive. Nothing's hidden from God in your life. There isn't anything hidden, whether you choose to try to hide things like Achan or just the pain in your life, just the agony in your life, just the grief in your life, just the affliction, even the bitter taste in your life, and the worry and the fear, and nothing is hidden from God. Not only that, seeing then, verse 14, that we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God let us hold fast our confession because we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but was in all points tempted as we are but without sin therefore let us come boldly to the throne of grace why that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need and isn't that when you rush the gates of heaven your time of need it is for me I come to God uh, in prayer very often. I did on the way in, you know, coming up Hampton today as I was driving in. Um, But it wasn't in a desperation. I wasn't super desperate. But when you know it, by the end of the day, God allowed some circumstances in my life to make me a little more desperate. This morning coming in, it was, uh, you know, lollipops and jelly bellies. (laughs) By the time you get to tonight, it was... Brussels sprouts and dirt. (laughs) Why? Because God is jealous over you and me. And He wants us to draw near to Him. And there's something valuable in weakness and desperation where we humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God. There's a wonderful thing about God. Let me read to you, let me quote to you, Pastor Chuck Smith. The wonderful thing about God is He's slow to forsake His people. He saw them in their pitiful condition, even though the pitiful condition was brought about by their own sin, their own rebellion against God. Yet, God seeing them in this pitiful state, Pastor Chuck likes the word pitiful, no one would stand with them. They had no allies. Everybody was against them, which touched the heart of God. And because everybody was against them, God was for them. And God helped them. And he reached out his hand to help them. Oh, how patient, how loving, how kind is the God that we serve. How quick to forgive, how slow to react in judgment. And so the Lord saw their affliction. It was bitter. They had been shut up, their enemies. They were surrounded by enemies. There was no one left to help them. God felt sorry for them. He didn't say that he wouldn't blot out their name from Israel into heaven, but he saved them from the hand of Jeroboam, from the hand of this king. I was like, yes, God was for them. God helped them. He reached out his hand to help them. He saw their state.
1: Hey, thanks for studying along with us today on Abounding Grace. Remember, you can access all of Pastor Ed Taylor's teachings from Second Kings online at CalvaryAurora.org or through our app. That can be found as you search for Calvary Aurora. Pastor Ed, in today's lesson, you stressed the importance of listening to and heeding the godly advice and warnings of others. What have you observed through the years as people have done so, and also when they have failed to do this?
0: Well, Larry, it's a mixed bag, isn't it? Uh, Sometimes you see people take godly advice and are richly rewarded by listening to the wisdom of God, And then at other times we see people either not seek out wisdom or godly advice or receive godly advice and pay a great price by not listening to it. You know, the Bible says that evil company corrupts good habits. But in the multitude of counselors, there's peace. And we need to really be careful who we surround ourselves with and who we listen to. And I've been really thinking upon this lately, uh, that The Bible describes wisdom from above. It's actually in James chapter 3, and let me get there so that I can read it to you, uh, what to listen for in wisdom and what people say. You know, first of all, when someone gives advice, is it from the Bible or not? Because we don't need someone's opinions. Uh, Opinions abound, uh, but only God's opinion matters, and here's what to listen for. It says in James 3.13, who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by his good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing will be there. But the wisdom that's from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And so it's important to have a discerning, careful ear and listen for the wisdom that comes from the Lord through his word from godly friends. Be careful to heed the
1: word of the Lord. Thanks for those encouraging words, Pastor Ed. At Abounding Grace, we're committed to bringing the truths of God's Word to the radio every day. But we can't do it alone. We look to our listeners to help us provide these daily studies. And today, when you give a donation of $25 or more, we'll send you Why Grace Changes Everything by Chuck Smith. You'll be encouraged as you hear how God's grace really does change everything in your life, and it's the key that unlocks God's blessings. Call us right now at eight seven seven three zero 30 Grace or turn to CalvaryAurora.org. That's 877 30 Grace. If you're writing, here's our address Abounding Grace, 18900 East Hamden Avenue, Aurora, Colorado, 80013. And then join us next time when we'll pick up where we left off in 2 Kings here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado.